All right, we on here? Sermon number two. You already got sermon number one, didn't you? you we got three already. Number three. Yeah, I, I just I need a nudge too. You know, there's some sometimes when I don't know. I just feel like I'm I get stuck going through the motions, and so I'm probably just preaching to myself more than you. So if you get something out of it, great. <laughs> but we we all need that nudge to just not get stuck, not get not get stuck in the same old same old. If you're stuck in the same old same old, then do do something, change something up, do something different. You know. Drive to work on a, a different route. You know, do your devotions at a different time of day. You know, read the Bible in the morning rather than at night or at night rather than the morning. Try to change something up. If you feel like you're stuck, do something different. And sometimes that, that shakes you loose. So um, we've been, we talked about uh, a couple different things the last few weeks. We talked about grace and we're going we're gonna to talk about it a little bit more as well as a few other things. But I want us to go to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. A couple weeks ago we basically went through most of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And now we're going to hit 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm not promising you that we're going to do 3. I'm just saying today we're doing 2. First Corinthians 2 and verse 1 says this. This is Paul writing to the church there in Corinth. When I came to you brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. Did you catch that word testimony? Everybody catch it? We've, been, we've, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. Those of you that have been on our Wednesday night study, you know we've really been emphasizing the power of the testimony. I'll remind you again, if you weren't here Easter Sunday, when we had all the testimonies, the testimony of God is everything that God has done from the past until now in everybody's life. It includes all, this, all, the, all the accounts in the Bible. It includes everything that God has personally done in your life. That's the testimony of God. And we're encouraged in the Scriptures to keep the testimony. And so I find it interesting here that Paul uses that word. He says, I proclaim, he didn't say, I proclaim to you the Word of God. Was he proclaiming the word? Sure, absolutely. But he mentions, I proclaim to you the testimony of God. It's the record of everything God has done. So I proclaim to you the testimony about God. What's God been up to? What has He done? For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear... And with much trembling, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I want to stop there and say, someday I want to preach like that. (laughs) Really, that's what it's supposed to be about. We can't convince anybody of anything. You can't argue people to believe in God. You can try it. You can try it with your kids. You can try it with your family members. 
You can argue with them till you're blue in the face. You can debate with them. You can bring up all the points. You can bring up all these, you know, try to bring in science or whatever and say, no, there is real science that points to God and it, you know, etc. You can bring in all that stuff, but one word, one sentence with the power of God on it is worth way more than hours of arguments. And so, when we're trying to minister to somebody, what we need to be asking for is, God, not, not to give me the better words to say, but God, let your power come forth when I speak. Amen. Let your power come forth. I mean, Paul, look at Paul. Here's the deal. Paul is just saying, was, was Paul a bad speaker? Probably not. He probably was a pretty good speaker. This wasn't his first rodeo. Okay? He'd been trained as a Pharisee. He grew up, you know, he was a, a trained, very knowledgeable, very educated man. So he wasn't just some Joe Blow getting up there and going, I don't know what I should say, but uh, who knows? Let's just say something and see what happens. You know, he was a very educated guy. But he was saying, basically, he was saying, I did not rely on any of that. I did not depend upon all my knowledge, all my skills, all my talents. I did not depend on all my education. I depended upon the power of God. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen. You know, he didn't persuade them with wise and persuasive words. You know, the Corinthians, it was kind of, they were kind of into this wisdom thing. In chapter 1, you know how it mentions this? For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. And then he talks about Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. You know, they were kind of looking for all this, this new ideas, this new thing. If I could just catch the new, the new idea, the newest, the newest rage about thinking, then that was the wisdom. If you had the wisdom, then you'd be successful in life. And so he's again saying, look, I didn't come with any of that. I didn't come with that. I came with the testimony of God and I came with my words having the power of God on them. Verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. This passage is so powerful. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The one or the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. Okay, we're going we're gonna to break these verses down here for you a little bit. Everybody, everybody get it there? Okay, verses 6 through 8. He's talking about wisdom. Paul changes it again and says, I didn't come with wisdom, but hey, when you're, for those of you who are mature, I do have some wisdom for you. And it's found in Jesus Christ. He's saying that the wisdom that you're seeking is the wrong wisdom. The only wisdom that can be found is it has to start with Jesus Christ. If it doesn't start with the wisdom of God, it doesn't really lead to wisdom. You're not being wise. You're actually being foolish. Now later on he says, look, the spiritual, the natural person doesn't accept this. So that's why when you can say to somebody the truth, and it's like, it's like they have no clue. Because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So he says, we've got this wisdom, and it's, it's being revealed, a wisdom that's been hidden. In other words, the wisdom was, here's the plan of God. I'm going to send a Messiah who's going to be the victorious king, but he's going to lose. That's why it was foolishness that Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, is foolishness, because here's what happens. Here's the winner, and he loses. Here's the champion, but, he's, but he dies. He's beaten. And so that's why everybody's like, how can I follow that? How can, that doesn't make sense. Why would God do something like that? Why would, why would the loser be the champion? Why would the one who looks like he's last be first? Why would the one who's, who's dead be alive? So it makes no sense. And God says, no, well, I've got a wisdom that's, that's greater than what you think. The things I think are greater than the things you think. Here's the wisdom. God says, hey, I'm going to send someone. And it's His humility. It's His sacrifice that will bring the greatest victory of all. See, the victory comes not in the ways that we think it comes in, in the world. The world says victory comes by your skill, by your strength, by, by your abilities, by your, you know, your own just trying to do it, your own effort. And God says, no, it comes in humility and sacrifice and in surrender. That's where victory comes. See, it's a totally different mindset. It's a totally different wisdom. You let yourself go lower so you can go higher. Isn't that what Jesus says? Hey, if you want to be great, you want to be great? Become the servant of all. You know what? The servant of all? I wish he left that last word off, don't you? <laughs> the servant of some? <laughs> Wouldn't it be better to be the servant of some? That's, isn't that what everybody wants to be? We want to be the servant of some. I can serve you. Amanda's pretty nice. <laughs> you know, I can do something for Amanda. Some people on this side I don't know about. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm doing a broad brush stroke. That way you're not singled out. You know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, think about that. The servant of all, that's kind of like, that means everybody. You want to be great? Find the person you least want to serve and serve them. Ouch. Why am I preaching this? This is not even in the notes. I don't even want to hear it. We don't want to hear it, right? But here's the deal. Everything's different in the kingdom. God says, here's wisdom. Serve everybody. You serve the one who least deserves to be served. Ouch. Servant of all. 
So, I mean, basically Paul's saying, look, this wisdom was hidden. We didn't, we didn't get it, and it was revealed in Jesus. And so Jesus reveals it all. In Him and Him crucified, we get, hey, victory comes through surrender. Victory can come through sacrifice. Victory can come from laying down your life. Rather than trying to prop yourself up, making yourself win, you're saying, I'm going to lose so someone else can win. It doesn't work on the football field, I'm telling you that. <laughs> I'm going to lose so that, you know... But I'm really winning. It doesn't work like that. I get that. In the world, those things, you know, with those things. But in the kingdom, this is how it works. Everything kind of flips around. It's a kingdom upside down, but it's really right side up. We're the ones that are sometimes stuck upside down. Verse 9 says this, However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. You know right there, I mean, Paul stops and says, hey, but here's the deal. God has something beyond your imagination. He has something more than you've seen. He has something more than you've heard about. What if we believe that? What if we believe this verse, just verse 9 right here? We, if we said... I'm going to, you know, God has prepared something greater than I've ever seen. Have you seen some cool, God do some cool stuff? Who's seen God do some cool stuff? Okay? Okay, He wants to do something greater than that. Think about the greatest thing that you have seen God do. God says, no eye has seen what I prepared for those who love me. Have you heard a great story? Hey, God says, hey, no ear. You haven't heard what I have prepared, what I have in store, what I have set before those who love me. He does specify here. He doesn't say everyone. It says what God has prepared for those who love Him. So this one is restricted. This one is specific. This isn't everybody. This is for those that love God. God says, I've prepared something that you can't even think of. I can think of some pretty cool things. And here's the deal. What it also means is the way you think about it will be different than the way He thinks about it. Because, again, let's just go back to Jesus. I'm going to be me planning to bring the Messiah to earth. Okay? How, how would I bring the Messiah to earth? Let's see. In a stable? Probably not. That wouldn't have been my plan. I would not have brought Jesus, you know, in a little town of Bethlehem in a feeding trough. And only have just a few shepherds and all these, you know, insignificant people there. I mean, nobody, nobody was there to broadcast it. There was nobody, nothing to make it known except just a few common dudes. And then, you know, six wise men <laughs> that came two years later. That's not the way you make a big impact. But God says, here's, here's what I'm going to do is going to work better than what you think. So when God says, I prepared something for you that you can't conceive of, that you can't imagine... You know, in some ways, it's going to be effective in the way you can't imagine. God, how could that be effective? You go back to being a servant. How can being the servant of all be effective in being great? Well, it doesn't make sense. But God says, you've got to see, because you, your mind can't conceive it. You have to do it to experience it. 
You can't try to understand it first and then say, once I understand it, then I'm going to step into it, God. A lot of times God says, no, there's no mind that can see you. So you have to do things that you don't understand that you know God is telling you to do. Because He's leading you into those things that God has prepared for you that you haven't thought of. What if God was just limited to the things I could think of? Be pathetic. I mean, I think of some cool things, but at some point... Actually, I'm not even that good of an idea person. You know, if you're, if you're an idea person, I, I, let me pat you on the back. Congratulations. Okay? <laughs> you know, my wife has, she has an idea about everything. I'm like, how can you live like that? <laughs> I mean, you have all these things you're wanting to do. Like, I just think of like two things and try to do them, you know? Do you have a new idea of what to do? No, I've got two things that work. You know, I, that's what gets us people like me stuck in a rut. It's because we, we get the two ideas and we do them every single day. Boom, 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 boom. Let's do them all. I'm going to really change it up today. I'm going to do the other one first. Okay. I mean, I, I brush my teeth every single time after breakfast, every single morning. When I got married, I found out my wife didn't always do that. Sometimes if she's out at a conference, she eats, and she doesn't go back to the room to brush her teeth. Isn't that weird? But I'm limited in my perception, right? I'm limited. Hopefully I won't bring up Cowboy Ryan again, right? I'm limited... I'm limited in my perspective. And so God says, look, you're limited. You're limited. So I prepared something that you haven't thought of. And it's something good. Again, it's, it's, like, it's not like, oh, I got something for you, sucker. <laughs> no, it's something good. So God, so let's take, if you take hold of nothing else, take hold of, God has prepared something amazing for me. God has prepared something that I haven't thought of before that's beyond my understanding. He has prepared it for me because I love Him. I love Him. Do you love Him? Then He's prepared something that you haven't thought of for you. It may be something that you hadn't thought of and you're like, whoa, God, I never thought of that. (laughs) I didn't think of it that way, God. Whoa, that's better but harder and scarier than I thought. So no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. Verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. How do we step into that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's the one that leads us into those things. Holy Spirit's the one that brings the ideas. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate idea guy. He has all kinds of ideas. And here's the deal. He will carry out the thoughts he, He thinks up. Unlike some of you creative people who come with all your ideas and you start like ten things and you don't finish any of them. I'm not point fingers. It's just the reality. I start zero things. And so, you know, at least you got something done. Okay? I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying, you know, you got ten things started and you're like, I got all these great ideas and none of them get done. And the Holy Spirit's an idea man, but all His ideas He's able to carry forth. He's got the strength and the time and the persistence and the endurance and the wisdom and the knowledge to make it happen. 
But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Verse 11, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if you want to get to know God, who do you have to get to know? Holy Spirit. You can't get to know God unless you get to know the Holy Spirit. Because God is the one that, the Holy Spirit is the one that shares the thoughts of God. He knows what the Father is thinking. We have not received, verse 12, the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. You know, that's grace right there. What God has freely given us, that's grace. How do you understand grace? The Holy Spirit. You have to know the Holy Spirit if you're going to understand grace. The better you know the Holy Spirit, the better you know grace. Because Holy Spirit is the one who makes us understand what God has freely given us. Can you imagine what God has given us? God has given us, He says, you have the same inheritance as Jesus. We are co-inheritance people. We are co-heirs, not heirs. co-heirs with Christ. You are written in on the will of God the Father. That's what happens when you become a believer. He says the old things is gone. The new has come. You're a new creation now. You're in Christ Jesus. You are now, you're seated with Him. You now belong to Him. And now you receive from the Father everything that the Father wants to give His own Son. How do we understand and and get a hold of those things? The Holy Spirit has to reveal those things to us because He's the one that helps us understand grace, what God has freely given us. You see, grace always views everything through identity first and performance second. So God views us first in Christ. It's not my performance that He's viewing. He's viewing Jesus Christ. My identity in Him. Aren't you glad that God looks at me first through my identity in Christ? You know, there's a lot of confusion about identity in our culture. I mean, I won't even say what... I read something this week that I was like, Oh my goodness. There is like massive confusion going on in our gender understanding in our world. I mean, there... I don't even want to... There, There's like... Eight different categories of confusion on your gender. I mean, that's why they want... I mean, you heard all these bathroom bills and all this different stuff. Like, you can... Every other day change and all this stuff. And it, it's, just, it's just bizarre. There's, all, there's this terminology, and I'm glad to understand different terminology. I'm not going to throw it on you because I might mess it up. But I'm just like, all this points back to me is we need to understand our identity in Christ. Amen. How do we understand our identity in Christ? Holy Spirit helps us understand what's been freely given us, what we have been placed in, the family we've been placed in. Hey, you need to get to know the family of God. When you come into the family of God, you've never known the family of God. You don't know what His family's like. You don't know how His family works. When you get married to someone, you meet a new family, right? Anybody who's got married and you meet, oh, oh, my goodness, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, what is wrong with these people? Not my my case. (laughs) That's not what I thought when I got married. And I'm not just saying that because my in-laws are in here. <laughs> now some of the other girls I tried to marry, boy, their families, whoo! 
They're different. But you get married and you got to understand how the family dynamics work, right? You know, Shane and Katie, you go like, oh man, there's some interesting people in your family, right? You know, you both said that. And we've all said that when we get married, you know, it wasn't the immediate family, but I've met some interesting people on the other side of the family. And so you go, whoa, how does, how does this work? You, you, you come in, it's the first time being a part, you don't understand the family dynamic. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. You're into a new family. Things don't work the way they worked in your old family. And so part of what God does and through the Holy Spirit says, you're, you now belong to this new family. You don't belong to the old family. The family of sin, the family of darkness, the family of death. You don't belong to that. You belong in the family of life, the family of the king, the family of love, the family of grace. Yes. And so your new family, you have to understand the family dynamics. The Holy Spirit is kind of your, your introducer to the family. He says, here's how it works here. Let me, let me walk you around how this works in the family of God. Because you need to understand what you've been freely given. Because what, what is my natural reaction? To look at someone through their performance first, not their identity. But grace always says, who are you in Christ first? Then, Amen. it doesn't mean we don't want to deal with, you know, get rid of stuff that doesn't belong in our lives. It's just that I don't view someone first by that. Most of the time, we, we give identity to other people by how they act. And God says, I give identity by people by who you are who you are part of in your family. Are you in Christ or out of Christ? That's it. You know, you're either in Christ or apart from Christ. And he's bringing people in Christ. It's like you don't have to stay where you're at. You can come into the family of God. And so Holy Spirit helps us understand that. But grace means I have to learn to look at people in a new way, in a new family dynamic because I'm in a new family. That was, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I don't think that was... Some of that might have not been for me. <laughs> I don't say that to lift myself up. Um, but here's the thing. I was thinking of this. This is in my notes. Is we need to get to know the Holy Spirit better. We need to get to know Holy Spirit better. You know, when I was... Uh, okay, well, let's start with this. We took a survey in our church. I don't know if many of you remember it. We took a survey at the start of the year at our congregational meeting, and we had a, a good majority of our core members who were there. And a majority of our core members in this church say they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We had only one person say they hadn't been. That was uh, an adult. Most of the kids are too. Uh, the older ones as well. Uh, the younger ones might be doing that today. I don't know. My wife's been praying about when to do that. But, you know, so a majority of us claim to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's the deal. About 50% of us say, though, we don't use our prayer language that God has given us. Now, if you don't have your prayer language yet, you can't use it. So I'm not, there's no condemnation. It's not about performance. It's not about measuring up to something. But for those of us that have, have the gift... It's most of half of us said we pray in the spirit five minutes or less per day. We don't use the gift God has given us. And you have to do it out loud. Can I remind you, you can't pray in the spirit in your head. If it's in your head, that's it's that's not praying in the spirit. That's trying to think it up. When I was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's what I did. 
when I asked for prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I was in seventh grade, I heard all the people speaking. You know, I'd, I'd grown up in a, in a four-square church, never heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> or the, it had just, I wasn't paying attention or something. I don't know. We didn't do it with the kids. That's why I'm so thankful for my wife where she says, Nope, I was baptized in seven. We start, you know, if you're about six or seven, you're ready. You're ready for the Holy Spirit to baptize you. You're ready to understand what that means to receive, and maybe even younger. But I, I had never heard it, and so I, you know, I heard all these people speaking, and, and, and I get prayed for. And so what I did was, in my head, I had these, these words that sounded kind of Hebrewish. And I'm telling you, for those of you that are struggling with your prayer language, it says, I've asked for the baptism, I haven't received my prayer language, I'm, I'm, I'm ministering to you and saying, don't give up, because you can't be worse off than me. Okay, so I, I, can, I made up a line to say. It was in my head, but it was kind of like, I, I, I know I came up with it, because later when I prayed in the Spirit, I was like, oh, that was, that was just in my head. It was words I repeated that I heard in my head. You're not going to hear it in your head when you're praying in the Spirit. You can actually be thinking about something else. You know, they've actually done scientific studies. I can't remember the school that did it. My wife has shared it before, but... They tested people. They said, pray in English. And they they measuring their brain waves and their language center of their brain. And when, you, when they're praying in English, it's a lot of activity. And then they say, at some point, just switch to praying in tongues, praying in your prayer language, praying in a language that's unknown to you. Very little activity on the language center because it's not coming from your head. It's coming from your spirit. The Holy Spirit is praying through you. But I was, you know, so for years I had this made-up prayer language. Can you believe that? I can still say it to you right now. I don't even want to. I can, I can recite the words to you. They sound very spiritual and very Hebrewish and very tongues-ish. Okay, because you, you want it to sound like everybody else. Right? Well, you don't. Just be aware. Yours may not sound like everybody else. The Holy Spirit says, I've got a special one for you. <laughs> You don't have to sound like everybody else. You get to sound like you. Me praying through you. So anyway, when I, was, when I went to Bible college, you know, I went to Foursquare Bible College, and our first year of Bible college, we had to do a paper on glossolalia. Glossolalia. Does anybody know what glossolalia is? Uh, uh, when you put a lot of gloss on, on a paint? No. <laughs> Glossolalia is the study of speaking in tongues. Now, basically, when you're speaking in tongues, you are exercising glossolalia. That almost sounds like tongues right there. Okay? So when I was, when I was 18 years old, there was this struggle in me. I came to write this paper, and I'm still praying with my made-up prayer language that I made up when I was 12 year, 11 years old, excuse me, 7th grade, 11 years old, at Camp Whispering Oaks, over here north, by Abilene, just visiting from California, when I was going into seventh grade. And here I have to write this paper, basically showing from the Bible why this is true for today. I mean, that's the point, is because you're in Foursquare Bible College. Now, we had one dude that wrote a 20, you're supposed to write a five-page paper. He wrote a 25-page paper on why tongues were, were not for today and... You know, one of those types of people. 
they had to sit down with the dude, dude, are you at the right school, man? <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to believe this, you don't have to, but this is a four-square Bible college. This is a spirit-filled institution where we're, we're teaching the fullness of the spirit. So he lasted a couple more years, and then finally, I don't know what happened to him. So, but we had to write a five-page paper on glossolalia, and I struggled so much with it. You know why I struggled with it? Because I wasn't sure in my heart whether I really believed it. Because my belief was based on my experience, not on truth. We'll do that a lot of times with, with God, is we'll have something happen in our lives, and it doesn't go just right. It, could be, it can be whatever. It doesn't go the way we want it to do. And so in that area, we kind of we have this little bit of a blockage between us and God. And so that's what I was facing in this paper. I'm like, I'm trying to write this paper because I know, yeah, I, I do believe in it, but I'm feeling like, man, I'm missing something in my life. I don't have this. I, I know this is not the real deal. I know I'm, I don't have what, what I see in the Scriptures. I don't have that. And so it's like, well, I can just choose to believe. You know, there's two ways you can approach those frustrations, those, those disappointments in your life. You either throw it away and walk away and say, forget it. It's all... I'm just leaving it all behind. It's just not real. Or you can say, or the other thing is, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to pursue God until I know whether this is real or not. Thank the Lord. When I wrote the paper, I obediently, you know, I just pushed. I had to really force myself through it. I remember calling my dad on the phone. Now, he worked at the college. He was the academic dean at that point still. And I said, man, I don't, I don't even like this paper. I started complaining about all this stuff. And I don't remember what he said to me. It wasn't like, he probably said something good. But I just remember he said, you know, son, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> you need to write the paper. <laughs> if you don't write the paper, you'll get an F. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, you know, you're, I mean, he basically kind of said, you're going to have to struggle through this on your own. You're, you, you need to struggle through this. So, you know, the struggle is okay. If you need to struggle through something, God's okay with that. The Holy Spirit is your guide to lead you through the struggles. You need to get close to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, guide me through this. Now, my story is, is interesting because I don't know when I started praying in tongues. It just, at some point, I realized I'm not using the made-up sentence I made up when I was 11 years old anymore because I kept seeking the Lord. I kept pursuing Him. The, the direction of my life was, God, I want to know You more. Was I perfect? No. But the direction of my life was to seek God, to seek after Him, to know Him better and better. What was I doing? I was allowing Holy Spirit to lead me, allowing Holy Spirit to bring understanding, and allowing Holy Spirit, if necessary, to go, let me shut off your brain for a minute and quit you thinking about that so I can do what I want to do in your life. I think he just had to do that in me where it wasn't like a moment where I knew, oh, that was it, I knew it. No, it was just like, oh, I pray in the Spirit now. Now let me give you a little secret on praying in the Spirit. Uh, I had a testimony this week. Somebody who I'd shared this with said, I've been praying in the Spirit more. And things had changed. So that's, that was an encouragement. I encouraged our leaders last Sunday. I said, pray in the Spirit more. <laughs> right, leaders? I said, hey, use your, use your prayer language so that the people in our church who are shy, the leaders, we lead the way so they come alongside of us. But I had someone come up to me and say, 
I'm doing that. Whenever I find myself getting frustrated, rather than just trying to work through it, I just start praying in the Spirit. You know, you've been given a gift to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. That's why I believe this gift is for everyone, because I don't think there's any reason when God would say, well, I'm just not going to give that to some people because they don't need to be built up in their faith. No, I think God wants to give it to everybody. Some of us, are heads, like me, seven, eight plus years of having too much trying, too much trying to make it happen, too much churchiness or something in me. But at some point, that was released because I was, I was seeking the Lord. So keep seeking the Lord. Now here's another secret about praying in the Spirit. If you only have a few words, let me tell you why you only have a few words. Because you don't use them very often. The only way you break into a different, expanded, increased, or prayer language is to pray until you stop thinking about, this is my prayer language, and then you find yourself moved by the Holy Spirit into new languages. Anybody experience that too? Anybody experience that to be true? It, it doesn't, you know, I always, you usually start with your familiar. But the Holy Spirit, at times, again, it's not you. You, you can't just make it happen because it's, it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. The Holy Spirit begins to pray through you and then He'll change. And usually, I find it changes when I, I have to not be thinking about it. If I think about, I wonder if I'm going to change into a different prayer language. No, no, because my mind... Right there, I have my mind, not the mind of Christ, the mind under the control of the Spirit. I have the mind under control of the flesh. I've got the focus on me. When the Holy Spirit prays, He has the focus on, on the Father. And so when you're, it's when your focus gets so much upon God that sometimes He'll expand that prayer language. Sometimes He'll just do it for a one-time deal. He'll, you'll pray in, in a different way because you're praying for something in a different way. God says, I need you to pray this way today. And so I, I'm just going to lead you. You don't even know what to pray, but I do. I mean, he says that's what, you know, we pray things. We don't even know what we're praying, but the Holy Spirit knows. The Spirit knows. The Spirit knows the thoughts of God. The Spirit knows the deep things of God. The Spirit knows what's going on in our world. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's how grace, this is a grace that's activated in my life. But I have to choose to do it. You know, grace is such a weird thing because it's not that we just get, it's just there and it just happens. It's that we get to participate in it. We get to step into it. We get to, you know, there's that scripture where God says, I will work in you to will and to do according to my purpose. But, you know, He has to have your will in order for Him to do. So when He has your will, He does the doing. You don't have to do it because He'll empower you and free you to do that. So my encouragement to you is, you want to get to know the Holy Spirit better? Use the gift He has given you. Amen. Pray until He leads you into a deeper understanding of God, a deeper revelation. You know, And if you're struggling with, with anything about the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit, I bet you you trace it back, there's something that didn't happen and you've got you've to let that go. You've got to say, God, I just released that to you. I've got I've to let that go. There's only a couple of things that will stop the Holy Spirit. Number one is unforgiveness. If you're holding something against someone else, you can't expect something new from God. It's just not going to happen. He, he's too good. 
He's too good because he knows, look, you have to let that go so you can receive what I have for you next. The other thing is if you have a point of, if you have a thing in your life that you haven't surrendered to God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about full surrender to God. If you, if you have something where you're just kind of like, you just know that area, whatever it might be, where you just have not quite let that go to God, that's going to hinder the fullness of the Spirit from being released in your life. Because there's a, there's a point of surrender. You're still in control. If you're in control, the Holy Spirit can't be in control. If you're still in control, that's why, look, it's another one of those things where God says, hey, it's the foolish things. When you first see someone speaking in tongues, what do you, what'd you think? That's stupid. That's weird. I ain't doing that. Some of you said that, right? I ain't doing that. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I draw the line somewhere. We got to draw the line somewhere, right? Not going there. Right? Because it's foolishness. Now, when you step into it and you understand, you're like going, oh my goodness. This is the wisest thing I ever did in my life. One of the wisest things I ever did in my life was ask for more of the, the Spirit, more of the fullness of the Spirit in my life. I wouldn't go back. And I don't want to allow any kind of shame or any kind of, you know, something put a lid on what God has given to me. So I encourage you to be bold. That's what I told my leaders. We're a spirit-filled church. You can be bold here. If you're out praying with a bunch of your Baptist friends, yeah, you, you calm it down a little bit. You don't have to, you know, pray really quietly under your, with your breath or something. Or just, you know, praise God in English. You know, if you, you know, we're not trying to offend people. But when we're in the gathering of the spirit-filled people, we need to let it go. You know, that scripture that says all tongues must be interpreted or you shouldn't say them, that wasn't talking about your prayer language. You do know that, right? Amen. There's some people that have that scripture stuck in their minds that says, if I pray something and someone else hears it, they have to have the interpretation. No, it was talking about the public gift of tongues, not the private gift of spiritual language. There's two different gifts. One is a public gift. One is a personal gift for your edification and your personal victory and you getting to know God better and better. Here's the deal. When you walk away from God, you'll pray in the Spirit less. I guarantee it. If you've had your prayer language, if you grew up in church and got baptized in the Holy Spirit and then you walk away, I bet you haven't prayed in the Spirit for a while. Start praying in the Spirit again. It's not performance-based. It's grace-based. You don't have to suddenly clean yourself up to start doing this again. You just do it. I mean, I, do, I want to break off some of this unworthiness where we're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I haven't been that spiritual this week, so I, I better not do that. No, you better do that. Yes. If you haven't been spiritual this week, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and start now. Have I got enough on that? Verse 14, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are what? Foolishness to him. If the things of God seem foolish to you, you're in the flesh. You've taken control. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man, the spiritual woman, makes judgments about all things. In other words, there's, a, there's an understanding of this is, this is you, God, this is not you. It's, you know, we judge all the time, by the way, all that. Don't judge me. We, you just judge me. 
right? Hey, don't judge me. Well, you just judged me. By saying you, I was judging you, you were judging that I was judging. So anyway, that was free. Um, you have to judge. You're just supposed to judge with, with right judging. <laughs> You're supposed to judge with compassion and love and wisdom and righteousness. We're supposed to judge. Um, we're supposed to judge with the with the judge, the Holy Spirit, helping us judge in the right way. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. In other words, it's between, it's, it is me and God, ultimately. The Spirit will confirm in me. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, I just want to end with that right there. Can you imagine having the mind of Christ? What, what is Jesus thinking about? What is Jesus thinking about right now? If you have one, this is Chris Vallotton said this in our Spirit War study. Here's how you get the mind of Christ. You have a, a thought from God, 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 and you string them all together, you have the mind of Christ. We get to have the thoughts that Jesus has. That's the mind of Christ. Where I, I have my mind is, is renewed by the Spirit and by the Word, where suddenly it's not me anymore. It's not my thoughts, it's His thoughts. I need the mind of Christ. I can tell you, think about one of the words for Christ is the anointed one. That's, that's what Christ or Messiah means, anointed one. Do I need my mind anointed? Amen. Sometimes I need my mind to be, it needs to be anointed. I need some, some oil to be poured over this thing that's going wild right here. This thing goes crazy. It's all kinds of thoughts that are my thoughts. But the mind of Christ kind of just washes over, anoints my mind where I'm thinking what he wants to think. He's got good things to think about too. Amen. He's got good things. So the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. When, you're, when you walk with the Spirit, you're praying with the Spirit, you're increasing you operating in the mind of Christ, having his thoughts and not your thoughts. That's good. I think I'll stop there. Did I give you enough? I think that was a, might have been a bucket. <laughs> I might have brought a Kim Pitt in your bucket and just <laughs> drenched you today. So hopefully you'll take some of that. Let's, let's stand and just, just ask the Lord. I want you to ask. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Just, just say you on your own. Say, Holy Spirit, help me get to know you better. Just, just say that. Say it, say it under your breath. You don't have to say it super loud. But say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to get to know you better. Holy Spirit, I want to get to know you better. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, I want to be aware of what you're saying to me. Holy Spirit, I want to, I want to be in tune with you. Lord, I want, to, I, want to, I want to have your feelings on what's going on around me. God, I want your emotions. Holy Spirit, I want what you feel and what you think. Holy Spirit, help me understand grace. Holy Spirit, help me understand the things that have been freely given to me. In Christ, Holy Spirit, you can do this. I'm trusting you, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me to see things I haven't seen before. Help me to have my ear tuned to the things that you want to do and prepare for me because I love you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. Holy Spirit.
There's an old song. I'm going to try not to mess it up. Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in Your strength and Your power. Sing gentle way. Come in Your own gentle way. Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in Your strength and Your power. Say special this time. Come in Your own special way. Lord, let that be our prayer for this week, this month, the rest of this year. Holy Spirit, we need to know you better so we can walk in the grace of God, so we can give the grace of God, so that we can see with the grace of God, so that we can look at somebody else. And first, Lord, start with identity, Lord, not performance, God. We want to view them as the way you see them. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Sign up for the cook-off in the back, please. You've got cook-off sign-ups, volunteers, entry.